This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you after a double bubble. It's been a good week for the Beast. Picked up a, a fair few points. You know, people would argue that we probably shouldn't have picked up any points maybe this week. Because if you look back at last season, the teams that we played, Chelsea and Brighton, you would have thought, hmm, they're quite decent. So, you know, you picking up anything from that is a good result. But the Bees picked up four points out of six over two games, both of them at New Griffin Park. And these fans are very happy as we look forward to the weekend. We're playing Villa at the weekend and hopefully we can uh, carry on with the run. My name's Billy Grant and I'm sitting here in the virtual joint with my man Laney in the house, who is obviously very happy like I am after picking up those that points haul. Did you get your bag out, the swag, and uh, you, you walked mm. out of New Griffin Park on, uh, on what's it, Wednesday night? Actually feeling smug with yourself, did you, Laney? I wasn't feeling smug. I was feeling kind of. I was feeling happy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, so important to get something out of the the Brighton and the and the Chelsea games. You know, I think if you'd asked fans before both of those what they'd be expecting, I think some would say three points, some would say two. Um, so to get four. I think um, you know it's, it could only have been bettered by six, and we we did our darndest to get that against Chelsea. We will talk about that in a bit. So yeah, four points from those two. Um, it was a really really tricky uh, couple of fixtures, wasn't it? Both of them were really good teams, yeah. um, and they pushed us pushed us all the way. If I'm honest with you, um, and as I said, and you know after the after the Chelsea game back in the pub to get a reaction from the. Newcastle match was was critical, wasn't it? We hemorrhaged five, gave away, you know, four ridiculous goals, you know, just gifts. Um, we had to we had to kind of redress that, and we we've done that in in some style. So yeah, it was a, a relief, Bill. Yeah, indeed. And another thing, and again, we'll talk about both games in a minute. But I think you know when you you know we went up to Newcastle, we spent a, a long weekend up there, getting up there, having a good time, coming back again, and. People sort of like laughed at us and people from outside going, oh, you got absolutely spanked 5-1. And you try to explain to people, yeah, look, we did, but literally everything went wrong that day. And, you know, you know, some people, you know, I mean, I think I did an interview and they're saying, oh, it's on the Anfield rap. They're going, oh, you've, you've just 
you know, you put in five goals, you've got, you know, you look like you might be on a slippery slope. And I'm thinking, what, just what, just because we didn't beat Arsenal, because we drew to Bournemouth and we've lost 5-1 against Newcastle. I said, we know our side and we'll be OK, we'll come back. And I think, again, that comes from not having rose-tinted glasses, but actually kind of, you know, knowing your team. And literally, you know, you look at the Newcastle game and, you know, I mean, I don't walk out games early, but you knew that you could have just left that game early because it was one of those games where literally nothing was going to go right for you. Everything was going to go wrong. And I think, that it, as you said, it shows exactly what we are like coming back and getting that result against Brighton and getting that result against Chelsea, which arguably, and we talk about that later, we could have won. And I mean, looking here at the league table again, we're still a top 10 Premier League side after 11 games. I mean, that's not, you know, we're not talking about two games, but I mean, you've won one and lost one. We're talking about 11 games where we're still a top 10 Premier League side and you know uh, looking you know beneath us like you know we're, we're, we're actually got a bit of a cushion you know if you're looking between us and the, uh, the relegation zone which is the zone that we always look at so I mean we're looking we're looking all right Laney. Yeah we are yeah you know quarter of the season gone um, yeah going back to that going back to that Newcastle came briefly yeah we tried to sneak past the hotel receptionist didn't we because she was giving it plenty the day before um, and she she was like saying how how they were going to batter us and we were we were like quietly confident and we tried to sneak past without eye contact on the on the sunday morning when we left the hotel <laughs> but she, she she got it in before we uh before we made the, made, made the doors that's right uh, that's right yeah but yeah, yeah no so yeah a quarter of the season gone um you could argue it could have been even better than it is, but the the the, the, what, the way the way we're sitting at the moment, as you said, in tenth place, Fulham went above us last night with that um, that victory over Aston Villa. It's been a good season for them as well so far. Um, it's, it's 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 encouraging, mate. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really encouraging. Yeah, don't be greedy, Laney. Don't be nope. greedy. No, not me, right. mate. Not yeah, me. So I mean, and just looking forward to the games that we've got over the next few weeks. We've got obviously Villa next um who are in a bit of a predicament we're going to talk about them a little bit later we've got you know uh, well we you know we're going to be you know we've always we always got characters coming on we've got chris from villains together who's going to be talking about the villa game we've also got wolves as well who are in a particular a bit of a predicament coming out of new griffin park and then we've got forest who are in a bit of a predicament as well and we're going up to them as well then we've got gillingham who i think are probably in a i think they're in a predicament as well in division two i think there's <laughs> talk of them going out of the league possibly i'm not sure i'll have to check that league table as well and then we've got Man City in a different predicament because they probably didn't score seven goals last week. So that's, a, that's the predicament that they're in. Like, you know, and then we've got the break for the World Cup. And then we've got a month's break uh, for the World Cup. And, uh, and then we come back. And uh, like I said to you, at the World Cup um, the, today, as you probably as you listen to this, you'll actually know this information because uh, Gareth Southgate is announcing his extended England squad today. 55-man list, which will be whittled down to 26 uh, you know, 50 you know, men's squad, which means it's going to be, what, two, three, three, maybe four players per position. And, uh, you know, there's been talk, obviously, of Ivan Tony, and we would have thought that we'd be quite disappointed if Ivan Tony wasn't in that 55-man list. Um, but the, the, the talk there is, especially as he had, a, I thought he had a really good game as well, again, on Wednesday night, Rico Henry, will he make the 55-man list? Because if he does, that's going to be a bit of a, that's going to be a bit of a, bit, 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 bit of a talking point, isn't it? They're crazy, crazy not to include him. You know, 55 uh, places means you've got, you know, three or four players in every key position, really. Um, and, you you know, some of those players that they, he's going he's gonna to include, you know, versatile to play in, you know, two or three of those positions as well. So, you know, not to include um, Rico, I'd say, was, was foolish. I mean, not, you know, not that the, it means anything to be included in that, but... To be in the frame, um, I think it's uh, you know it's obviously going to 
you know give him some sort of boost as well you know it's it's he, he deserves a recognition i think um even if he doesn't go I, I think just to be included or considered to be worthy of 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 that kind of magnitude is is something that he's worked hard to um achieve and and i think you know the England setup will be, as I said, foolish to to, to discount him. Um, you know, I know he's got no experience in the England team, and that probably will count against him because you know Southgate does have his favourites. It's clear, and he is he's quite happy to play favourites in positions that aren't um, you know their their strongest ones necessarily as well. So, you know, it, I, 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 if I'm a betting man, I'd say Rico won't be on the plane to uh, Qatar, but he should be in. Involved, or should be included in this list, and you know Ivan Tony, he's, he's got to be a gimme. He's, he ha- he has to he has to be on that plane. Yeah, he does. And, and talking about on that plane, I mean, obviously, I've been talking about my trip to Qatar, which has seemed like a million million miles away. As you know, we uh, I met the Supreme Committee, the the, the 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 Qatari Supreme Committee, which people are sort of joking, think this is a joke, but it's not. It's the honest truth. I met the uh, the the Qatar Supreme Committee a few weeks ago at Wembley, and uh, and I threw a load of questions at them, and I had a little bit of a off the record chat with the Supreme Committee, and uh, and we agreed to meet over in Qatar as we've done, and it's really weird because it's like been such a long way away this this World Cup, and you just sort of it's just seemed like it's not real, but all of a sudden I just ping on my phone, it just says you've got some tickets, and I opened it, and I thought, oh my god, England versus Iran. England versus USA, England versus Wales. I've got my tickets. And so shit is real, as they say. And uh, with less than a month to go, I'm uh, I'm off to, I'm actually off to, I mean, I'm off to, I can't be there for ages, but actually it's it's, it's a real thing now. So uh, so that's quite interesting. But the in, interesting thing is that the, the Iran game is obviously the first game where, you know, it's hoping to see a matchup between Tony and Godos, but that might not happen, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, there's this talk of um, well, there's there's yeah, there is talk and there's pressure being put on um, FIFA apparently to um, to 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 chuck out Iran from from the tournament altogether. I mean, there's this this th- from what I've read and what I've heard, it's kind of like three different kind of reasons. There's there's, there's you know there's the uh, it, it, as a reaction to what the Iranian authorities are doing to their people. Um, there's also a, a hint that the um, Iranian team themselves might boycott the tournament as a protest. Um, and there's also talk of uh, sanctions against uh, Iran for um, their government supplying um, drones to the Russian uh, war effort um, against, you know, that are being used uh, quite quite a lot against the Ukrainians. So it's kind of like a three-pronged attack. I mean, I, I, I personally still think that they'll... They'll they'll play, you know. They'll it will go ahead, and Iran that Iran fixture will be fulfilled. But interesting to see that with a month to go, there's kind of a bit of a black cloud hanging over them. Yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be it'd be a bit of a weird one if all of a sudden, like you know, it's just like sort of kind of like I said, grassroots football, where you know you sort of turn up, and the day before the team just doesn't make it, and then you get a bye. Like it was like, oh no, we've got no game tomorrow. Like you know, England players get up on the Saturday morning or the Monday morning because the game's on the Monday. And they go, I oh, know, so Iran haven't turned up. You know, we've got to buy and we've got to buy through. Um, but the reason why, like I said to you, is a group of Iranian football and sports personalities have sent a formal request to FIFA asking for it to suspend the Iranian Football Association. And they claim um, by basically the Iranian government stopping women entering stadia in Iran, that contravenes FIFA rules. And they say neutrality from FIFA is not an option. 
Um, that's the two. You know, this is a bit the crackdown for the security forces. You know, and also there's a there's a the call from the human rights group Open Stadiums last month also had said the same thing. So there's a bit of pressure from uh, from 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 you know from a number of people and a number of high profile people on FIFA. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, you know, they've said if women are not allowed into stadia across the country and the Iranian Football Federation is simply following and enforcing government guidelines, they cannot be seen as an independent organisation and free from any form of influence. This is a violation of Article 19 of FIFA's statute. So they've obviously got their lawyers out and they've tucked right in. And uh, and the FIFA characters are going to have to they're going to have to pull one out of the bag on this one because. Uh, there's, I think there's going to be a little bit of pressure on them. You don't want to be, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist here, but apparently uh, if Iran were thrown out, the, the, the team that came out of their region, which would be the Asia region, the team that lost in the playoff... No, no, well, Australia got through. So no, they the lost team, to Australia. Yeah, well, so it would be United Arab Emirates. Yeah. They, they would probably take their place which would obviously cause It'd be interesting it would yes locals a, a local you know it, it would be yeah Qatar <laughs> UAE yeah beef match because yeah. you know UAE um, had sanctions on Qatar for quite quite a while up until very recently there was trade right. embargoes and all sorts wasn't well, there up until the World Cup I mean there's, the, yeah. there's an argument to say that the World Cup actually stopped the embargo because obviously they needed to kind of kind of get people across the borders and everything like that so you can actually cross from uh, Saudi to Qatar now um I'd say maybe temporarily but before that I mean I was looking at flights or you know you know and you couldn't fly into Saudi and then go across the border you just you couldn't do that beforehand you had to kind of go take a different route uh, all sorts of different routes so I mean I mean I, I mean I, I'm even flying in like I said to you via via Jordan so I'm actually flying flying into via Jordan to uh, to, uh, to to Israel via Jordan so um uh, which is a different situation there as well yeah. together, which is quite mad. How, how, how is she, Ben? How is she? Uh, Jordan, actually, I haven't spoken to her for a few years, but I think she's okay, actually. She's, right. uh, yeah, she's doing all right, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, she's, should, uh, we move, she, should we move on? Yes, we, should, we shall move on. Um, we, actually, we need to move on, like I said to you. Um, and, w- and the one thing I'll say is also, like I said to you, the, I mean, I looked at the ticket. Obviously, the first ticket was the Iran game, but the second ticket was obviously the USA game. And the USA, if you don't know this, like I said to you, the first World Cup that I went to that I saw loads of usa fans was the um, i mean i saw them in japan and there's a few of them there but it was like the south africa world cup and i was like oh my god ah, so so many of you here they're like you think if this if this world cup you think there's loads of us you wait till brazil and then in brazil there were millions they were like literally everywhere they just literally took the place over so there's millions of usa fans in brazil and uh it's quite funny because they, they they've got their chances we know there's one here if you listen to it you know i believe that we will win So that was the madness, like I said, I recorded that back in in, 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 up in Recife. It was Germany versus Brazil. You could hear the, 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 the uh, Germany versus um, USA as well. And they do believe that they can win. And also they've got this Wu-Tan Clan chant as well. USA ain't nothing to F with, as you can hear it. USA ain't nothing to fuck with. USA ain't nothing to fuck with. USA ain't nothing to F with. 
properly Wu-Tang clan themselves up. So, uh, yeah, the, 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 the Americans are on the, on the chanting front. So we'll see how much they'll be able to put that into effect against England, hopefully against Ivan Tony. I mean, we'd like to say that Ivan Tony ain't nothing to F with, like you know what I'm saying? But uh, we shall see. I mean, obviously, I mean, the Iran game is going to be good, but you must be looking for this USA matchup because the USA think they've, they've gone up a few notches and uh, I think they're all looking forward to the matchup against uh, England because they're all saying that, you know, we've just written them off and, you know, but they've got loads of players over in Europe and they're going to do the business, Laney. Yeah, I, I'm a bit, I'm a bit nonplus with the World Cup at the moment. I have to admit, you know, there, there are some good matchups. Um, I'm, I'm a bit whatever about it. It's just, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, it doesn't feel right. It's something, it's something, something a bit odd about it. I mean, that's not to say that I won't be, you know, fully chomping at the bit when it arrives. But normally, the season's finished. Uh, you've got, you know, you've then you've got the summer and you've got that summer tournament and it, it, it seems that's, that's his natural position. And I'm not saying it won't be, you know, it, it might, football-wise, it might be an incredible World Cup, um, but uh, it just seems like it's shoehorned in and it's it's, it's just like, it's a, it's a bit weird, um, you know, and we've got, we, we, we've got like, it's going to be Premier League uh, big games all the way to the cut-off in, in three weeks' time. And then, you know, then... Get and it's almost going to be immediate. Um, you're straight into it. There's not even any warm-up games, is there? So it's uh, it's 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 an it's an odd one. But yeah, you know, when when the games come, um, they they will be good. England, you know, as you said, England versus the States. Uh, they they're obviously stronger every every tournament. It will be it will be a hard a hard match. We have got the Welsh um, to look forward to and the, the Iran match or, or whatever happens there. It's we we should get through that group. Um, uh, and you know, I was talk of me going away for a long weekend to watch watch some of it not won't, won't be there but i'll go and get some sunshine somewhere and watch the game in the, in the pub with some chums i think that's the way forward yeah well as they say i mean and uh they said the same thing about russia is what i'll say they went to it as a bit of a nothingness we don't be bothered about it but when the world cup came boom and it hits everybody everybody gets into it yeah so i'm not taking true. i'm not taking not not this is not from you just in general because i'll get this from a lot of people ah it's in qatar i'm not interested but listen trust me they will be interested because it's football and it'll be on tv and uh they'll, they'll get an opportunity to bunk off work as well because a lot of the games are like 10 o'clock in the morning and one o'clock mm. in the afternoon so you'll see people sneaking out for sort of long lunch breaks at like 10 in the morning down to the sort of kind of the pub on the corner so i'm sure they'll be absolutely on for it but anyway, let's come back to, well, the last week, because we played two games over the last week, and we were very happy with the results that went on those two games. We're going to go away, have a cup of tea, because it's during the day that we're recording this at the moment. Now, we need to get back to recording the evening so that we can mm. pint a swift half, like, you know. Yeah. But um, these middle-of-the-week games really do mess up the programme, as they say. But listen, let's go away, have a cup of tea, come back. Let's talk about Brighton and Chelsea. Brighton, Friday night, under the lights came down to new griffin park and uh it was quite a good game and it was one of those games where to be quite honest with you i mean brentford oh, brentford did quite well i mean brentford did quite well and if you consider it i mean I'm, let's, let's just let's just go straight into you know if you want to go straight to chances and opportunities brentford you know xg 1.81 brighton put 2.03 brighton had loads of opportunities in the box loads you know two massive ones and, and a lot of smaller ones and i think this is typical brighton 
if you talk about Brighton, I mean, if you saw their game that they played in the midweek where they played, um, I think they drew nil all. They played Forest, yeah. They played Forest and literally, like, you know, I'm not being funny, I've got no idea how they couldn't didn't score at least one goal. It's just one of those ones where, again, Brighton, again, reminded me very much of these sort of kind of pre, kind of before we got promotion, two or three years before that, where we used to get all the play, we used to get all the chances, we used to create massive chances, just not sticking in the back of the net. Brighton are very much like that, again, you know, and what we did is that, that you know, they had the opportunities with people like Trossard, who was trying to take, you know, chances, pot chances from the edge of the area, which he scored beforehand. But against us, I think he kind of had less opportunity and he got taken off in the end. And and, and I think it probably goes to show you how much we've learnt over the over, over the years and over the times. But, you know, that game for us, we took our chances. We got a penalty, which is obviously a big chance. It's 0.8, you know, XG for that one, which leaves you, you know, with, um, you know, one for the rest of the chances and you know we got you know we got two or three big chances and we did score you know to be quite honest we scored two um set up very well goals and i think that's how you want to do it and we took our chances and they didn't and that's i wouldn't say that's rare but we're the ones that are normally bemoaning us not taking our chances and the other teams doing so it's nice for the, the for everything to be reversed wasn't it laney Yes, it was. Um, they did. They passed us to death, didn't they? Uh, at, at, at kind of many a times during that game, and um, there was my heart was in my mouth a lot. Uh, I thought Brighton were really impressive, um, and I know you know it, it, you're right. You know, it's, it's, it's great having all that possession and all those passes, and you know if you can't put the ball in the back of the net, but you know it just showed that what you know how why they had such a great start to the season. You're not going to get it right with you know. I said. In the in the predictions um, to to that match, that you know, I, I didn't think they were able to carry on that uh, that that low standards, those high standards throughout the throughout the whole season. That's what stopped them becoming you know a, a top six club or top ten club. Is is the fact that you know they they've just not got the the ingredients up top. Um, they need a striker. They need they need an Ivan Tony um, <laughs> to, to to you know to, to finish off those chances. So, uh, yeah, I'm really impressed with Brighton uh, and really impressed that, you know, we were disciplined enough to to kind of sit back and allow them to kind of get to a certain position, position in the pitch. It was almost like the final third, just outside our area. Then we kind of pressed them then. Um, it was almost like, okay, yeah, just just come at us. And then we know that we, we will be able to break um, and break at speed. And, you know, we, we, we did have opportunities on the counter. Um, the fact that, you know, Ivan Tony pulled out that delicious back back flick um was was something that kind of you know on another day you don't Sorry, get that flick. chance you mean the goal that you're talking about yeah yeah so yeah so there was like um brian and bumo um did brilliantly um out on the right hand side he sort of wriggled through um a couple of defenders um and he released um it was frank the tank wasn't it um and then um Frank the Tank got to the byline and pulled the ball back uh, and Tony had attacked the space. Um, and as the ball sort of came between his, you know, came, approached him, he let it go between his legs and he did that beautiful kind of dragged with his back, you know, his, his rear right foot and he kind of steered it into the bottom corner and it looked that when you know we were kind of right, right behind that and it looked like it went in in slow motion but it was it was just a you know an incredible finish and you know you saw you saw the commentators afterwards they kind of they they said that you know there's more to tony than just being a target man he is the real deal and it's moments of class like that that kind of 
if there if there is any doubt about his true ability, you know, whether he is just streaky, whether he is on a roll, whether he's just you know, he's just a penalty taker. It's moments like that that show you there is so much more to his game. And, you know, coming back and defending, uh, he's, he, he just works tirelessly. And, you know, to wear the, wear the armband, um, it's it's important that he's recognised at the club as well. Um, you know, he's, he's given that, the, the, the stature, that his, his ability um, warrants because he's, he's he really is an exceptional player. He's, you know, he's up there with the best ever um, that's ever pulled a red and white striped shirt on for Brentford. So, uh, you know, he, he deserves every single bit of recognition that comes his way because that was an incredible goal. And the second one, you know, a penalty that he won, um, hacked down. Um, you know, some people said it looked a little bit dramatic, but, you know, the he was he was kicked. <laughs> um, there's there's no way of doubt, you know, denying that. And you know, the goalkeeper was jogging up and down the line. Um, he looked like he was doing all he could to um, to distract Tony, but he ran out know. of steam. I think I think he got knackered by the yeah. time like he took the penalty. <laughs> he, he was he, he was having, <laughs> but Tony was having none of it. It was just like <laughs> do do what you want, mate. You know, it's you know what's going to happen, and uh, yeah, he will miss one eventually. Uh, he will, but it doesn't look like it at the moment. Yeah, JB's going to talk about uh, Ivan Tony as well because he's got a bit, he's got a bit of a record um, about him, you know, and, and consecutive penalties, and it is pretty amazing. I mean, just quickly, just coming back to I mean, you're talking about the fact that they passed us to death, which is a passed us to death, which is an old Uwe Rosler phrase, yeah. you know, which again, uh, you new listeners, and it's interesting because I put out a little um, just going back to I put out a little podcast um, recently, I put out a little link against on on with our besotted global crew and also uh, the besotted crew as well. Just put it out there, didn't put it out on. Uh, uh, actually, no, I did put it out on social media as well. I put it out on Twitter. I just said to us, have a little listen to, um, you know, the podcast that we did, um, was it three years ago, when uh, Thomas Frank, um, you know, had lost his 10th game in a row. And it was the podcast that we did. I think it was just after the um, the whole game, after we just lost the hull, which was our 10th game in a row. We were just about to play Bolton the next game. And that was actually really interesting to see. You know, to, to to listen to the to 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 to, to what we were about and uh, and 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 just old school things about the old school thinking, the way we're thinking. That's only three years ago, you know, and and how we've kind of changed since. You know, we we, we had you know people that were doubting Thomas and not doubting Thomas, and you know, and and us talking about you know the kind of football that we played and how we had to change it now, whether or not Thomas was too clever in his ideas for what we were trying to do at the time and whether or not we had the right players or the wrong players and all this kind of conversation that we were having at that time which are formative years and then if you'd like I said to you go back another sort of seven or eight years it's be interesting you know people to listen back to the old podcast I mean in the Uwe Rosner days we didn't actually we, those weren't podcast days for us we only started in the championship but it was quite funny his pass them to death where we used to hoof the ball up. That was how Brentford played their style of football in those days. And he came in and tried to get us to pass it on the floor. And we weren't, we just weren't having it because we just weren't used to it. Like, you know, and then Uwe sort of did this forum where he said to us, you have to pass, we want to pass them to death. And we just thought, oh, this is great. Yeah, we're passing people to death before you knew it. You know, we were like having 900 passes per game, like, you know, <laughs> without putting the ball in the back of the net. But um, so let's talk about Brighton because that's exactly what they did. 58% possession to 42%, which is probably not that bad. bad. Um, I think we probably clawed it back in the second half. They had seven attempts to two. This is traditional stats as opposed to the, to going deep stats. Uh, four, four attempts off target each as well. They had 10 block shots. We had one. Okay. David Reyes, seven saves to their zero. Like, <laughs> you mean? 617 total passes to 246 like you know um and 11 corners to two in brighton's favor as well so they had 11 corners we had two like you know 
Um, and, and so that kind of that gives you an idea of kind of where the game is going. But we just we just smashed them, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we didn't. It wasn't a clash of styles, was it? it? You know, it wasn't like we were long ball merchants, and you know, they were, they were the, you know, they were the uh, kind of the artisans. It was, it was a fact that we we knew that that was, you know, that that was the way that the game was going to go, and you allow them to to do that, but you you know, you don't allow them to get into the area necessarily, and uh, well, if you can avoid to, and and, and really hurt you. Um, but they, yeah, on another day, that that game was a draw. Uh, but you know, we 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 did it. Well, I think we beat him. Yeah, but we did. We we beat him, and then that's you know that's that's you need you need those kind of like calls to go your way uh, every now and again, and you know they do because on another on another afternoon they don't. Um, you know, it's 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 just the way the season pans out, and uh, you know, but it's it's it was important that we we got a positive out of that after Newcastle and. We, we walked away. We walked back to the pub, didn't we? Buzzing, um, and it made for a it made for a, a rowdy Friday night back in the Globe, um, and you know it's uh, that carried on till Wednesday for the pre Chelsea warm up. That's right. And so, listen. I mean, you talk about a rowdy Friday night in the Globe. I had to uh, leave. So, if you probably listened to the last the post match podcast, and I apologise, but you know, right in the middle of the podcast, so the end towards the end of the podcast, and I found out the daughter came back. So they've just smashed into the car and they've just stolen my mate's school bag with her school uniform and her kickers, and that was it. You know what I'm saying? So the tramps, as we call them, had uh, decided to break into somebody's car, smash the window to go and get a school, a kiddies school bag. I hope you hope you're walking around Brentford, you know, looking mighty plush in your purple blazer. You know what I'm saying? And your size four kickers, like, you know, whoever it may be. <laughs> you know? Well, you'll know, you'll, you'll, you'll know who's done it. <laughs> that's right. I hope you're proud of yourself. And I heard also there's a few other people as well. Paul Ridley, who came over from France, his son, Sean, as well, who's uh, listened to the podcast as well. Uh, old school uh, Brentford videographer. He uh, got his bag stolen as well. And he had uh, his iPad. He had his computer. He had all sorts of stuff growing. They had a tracker and they found out exactly where the stuff is. And the stuff is in South London somewhere in three different locations. They actually spoke to the police and the police said no interest, like, you know, so they've got no interest. So, like, you know, even if you find out who these thieves are and you know where they are and where the stuff is, unfortunately, the police are too busy. I don't know what they're doing, probably down Downing Street, trying to sort of kind of usher in another prime minister <laughs> to the lectern, you know. So it's a bit of a shame. But um, so that's the scenario. But um, but as, as I was driving home, very sad in a cold car, Lady and crew were on the seats singing and dancing till Christ God knows what time in the morning. So let's listen to what the fans had to say after that Brighton game. And also we're going to flip it up and we're going to hear what they say after the Chelsea game. And then we're going to come back and talk about Chelsea. Hell of a game. Hell of a game. I've got to admit, we were just saying before the match, we thought this could be two sides who can't see each other out. But I think we deserve the win worked hard for it uh, man of the match I think you've got to go with Raya but Henry didn't put a foot wrong Ivan Tony didn't put a foot wrong Jensen didn't put a foot wrong and despite all of their efforts from the Brighton the defence stood really really firm worked so hard for that victory and uh, overall I think we probably deserved it in the end but two really good sides good performance throughout our team it got a bit messy once we made the substitutions. Didn't really know what was going on after that, but our uh, first 11 was, played really well. Frank had a nice game. Jensen was great, but once they went off, got a bit messy. But yeah, good, good game, really enjoyable. Great win, great three points. What, what more does this man have to do to prove his credentials? He's a talisman for the bees. He got kicked around all night tonight. 
for when it mattered, he turned up with that delicious finish. He's a piece of quality. Brian did great in the build-up as well. He's a bit of an unsung hero for us sometimes because of his finishing. But the pair of them together, here we go, is Tony and Brian and Bo. We did have a lot of the ball, but what we did with it, we did well. We dug it out, we got the result. After the last couple of performances, yeah, settled for that. Big win tonight, big win. I thought we were excellent today, eh? I thought we've just beaten a very decent team. Um, do you know what, and we're quite decent too, really. I thought everyone worked hard today, cut out a lot of the silly mistakes. Raya was, you know, clearly up for it after last week. Peanut was back to his best. Uh, I thought throughout the team, all the way through it, I thought that was exceptional performance. Tony does what Tony does, but there was some flags performance. Uh, Rico, I don't know what Rico needs to do to get in the England squad because he's just he's just imperious at the back. I don't know enough about Spain either, but if there's a better goalie than Raya in Spain, he ain't playing for us. I'm, I'm one of those people that came in today with trepidation. I was a little unsure what would happen. I was quite vocal last week about the midfield and what was happening. I was very concerned about the gaps. Today it worked out really, really well. I think big shout out to Frank on the record today. Really stepped into that Norgard position. Really showed us what he can do. Want him to step up for the next three, four weeks and really push Norgard for that spot. It's amazing. New manager or not for Brighton. Brighton is still a very good team, a very dangerous team. 5-1 away to Newcastle. Her, we came out today with a point to prove. We've done it. It's a very good team. A very, very good team in Brighton. Very happy with that performance. Yeah. Now, we were definitely the 12th man. Referee, some questionable refereeing. We did not let that stop them. I think the players knew that with the whole stadium behind them, that did not matter. Defended with everything they had when it needed to. Played out when they needed to. Playing five at the back was going to invite some unwanted pressure, but we still managed to deal with it, so we're not worry at all. Defended brilliantly. I mean, you know, so organised, no silly mistakes. Ethan looked like he'd had a week's training under his belt and a bit of match fitness. Superb. We clearly did our homework on him. David Raya, I, I, I didn't think anything was going to get past him. Uh, people putting their bodies on the line in, in defence and the number of blocks, you know, and then Ivan and Brian working hard. And a special mention for me is it, uh, Matty Jensen. I thought he was superb and I think he's been really good the last few games you know if you want a player who's never going to make a mistake in that position trying to be positive then you're looking at 60 million he's, we haven't got that he's a class act UBs UBs at first half I thought that we were going to take all three second half I thought we were clinging on a bit at the end I thought it was, it was a good point we battled well today and I thought what, what we did right was we took it to him we were on the front foot for the whole game and Said in the first half, we need to keep them on the back foot, don't let them attack us. Second half, when they did attack us, it all got a bit scary, but no, all good, mate, all good, really enjoyed it. I came into this game thinking a point would be great, and that's what's happened, and yeah, I think it's towards safety more than anything. So, yeah, after winning it with Brighton, this performance, we can just take this positivity forward. Uh, the first 20, 25 minutes, there was only one team that looked like it was going to win that game. They need to convert their chances. And they had so many chances, very, very good positions that first 25 minutes, and they didn't make it count. Then I started to get a little bit worried. And then Chelsea came back into the game. But fortunately, the, 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 the back five, as it were, held firm. Zanka and Pinnock, awesome today. That tackle from Pinnock right at the end. It's, it's all looking very, very bright. Um, yeah, we played really well. Some excellent defending. 
Uh, I think we could have won it, but you know, a point against Chelsea is, is a good result, and yeah, take that all day long. Now, if you look at like, look at today, we've changed it up a bit, and we still look really, really strong. So it was a great performance. I'm happy with the draw. I'll take that, and you know, yeah, brilliant. Frank the Tank, you know, the last two games against Brighton and tonight, I thought we played really well, and that's brilliant to see because uh, you know he didn't have the greatest season last season. Um, I thought that Rosliff played very well. So what was really pleasing was, you know, bringing players in when we've got injuries who can come in and do a job and do it very competently. We played some really nice football. Again, you know, the intensity levels were really, really good. And we had Chelsea totally on the ropes. Um, second half, I think, you know, we went into a little bit of a low block like we did against Brighton. And we were prepared to sort of contain them. And contain them we did. You know, the ex-champions of Europe and all the rest of it. So there you go, the fans after the Brighton game. After the Chelsea game, fans were very happy after those two games. And it's no surprise, really. Uh, we talked about Brighton uh, and then we'll talk about Chelsea. Uh, we could talk about Pele. We could talk about Cruyff. We could talk about Beckenbauer. Let's talk well, about Batesy. That's right. We better not talk about him, actually. It's a family mm. show. Um, but um, again, you know, for the new school or the old school or the new schoolers, you better just look up Jamie Bates. There's a few stories that you might or might not need to know about about him. Oh, quite funny, but um, let's just talk about um, the the Chelsea game. So opposed to the to the Brighton game, which you know, as you said to it, one day it could have been a draw. You know, um, you know, XG fairly even, one point eight, one two point oh three. Even though one of ours was a penalty, and they had some good chances, and they had quite a lot of possession, quite a few chances, but we just put them away. On the other hand, Blaney, the Ooh. Chelsea game, and I didn't look at the stats until you know way after the game, a couple of days after the game. I saw the game itself, and I thought to ourselves, cool, you know, we had some really good chances in that match and it didn't quite happen but it wasn't until I looked at the XG chart as well which you know if you don't you know if you believe this stuff it's not a case of believing it it just is what it is though you know what I'm saying when you look at a chart and you see loads of tiny little dots speckled on the edge of the area and a few inside the area you basically realize that they've been taking pot shots from from 25 30 35 yards a few shots inside the area which either didn't hit or the keeper saved or they got you know or whatever but you know so basically Chelsea didn't really have any real decent opportunities their xg was 0.56 ours was 1.47 we didn't have a penalty in that we had three massive great big bubbles and two sort of smaller bubbles in the area pretty much on the 60 yard box which you can argue to say that one of them should have and could have gone into the back of the net we talk about this before if it's harlan who was on the edge of that bang it would have been in the back of the net we're not knocking our players but we're just saying that's kind of how it works you're creating the chances we're not putting them away and um if you listen to the fans they were pretty happy with the result. But just looking at that, you could probably say that we were probably a little bit hard done by not to have got three points from that game as opposed to one. Yes, uh, you can argue that. Um, I kind of, I can see a different spin on that as well. Yeah, I, I think the biggest chance fell for Brian and Bumo, didn't it? It was a brilliant cross um, and he, he came in and he, he had like a full momentum behind the header as well. He could have could have placed that anywhere but it went straight to straight at Kappa and it was going to take something to get anything past that keeper on that form anyway let alone a kind of just a, an easy bounce in front of him so you know yeah and Brian and Bumo will be kind of kicking himself I would imagine I imagine he's seen that 
chance in his head played back over and over again and he does something different he got it on target um but he didn't seem to have any belief in in that he was going to score he, he did he didn't look like he was shaping himself to you know just smash out in the back of the net but it's interesting because you say that i mean that that chance is on 50 minutes with brian and bumo probability is 36 percent. so that means you know 36 you know probably about four out of ten of those have recorded have hit the back of the net. So he basically had a four in 10 chance of putting that back on the net, which is a big chance, you know, but and he didn't score that one. But the, the, there was a bigger chance than that, which is Ivan Tony on 34 minutes before that as well, about 10 minutes before that, which was actually a 50-50 chance, which was, that, that's massive. A 50-50 chance is like basically one in two would have stroke, should have gone in the back of the net, Ivan Tony in 34 minutes. And that was the chance that probably that, 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 that got away for us. As well, you know, I mean, Ivan Tony had a, had a lesser chance on 82, which is 31%, still, which is still one in three, you know, that could that, that has been recorded that has gone into the back of the net. But those are three massive chances that we had over the period of that game, which were all roughly on the six yard box, which you would have said technically one of them should have gone into the back of the net. Yeah, we, we created really good, high quality chances. That was that was really impressive against a team like Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you spoke, you know, you listened to uh, Thomas Frank speaking with so much pride about his team after the game, and it and it and it and it, and it, it sort of epitomised, you know, the feeling he has for for that squad. You know, I I, I you know every, every Brentford fan listening would would agree with what what Thomas Frank said. I I I argue sometimes that you know if some if you go ahead against a Chelsea with their 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 attacking prowess, you sometimes you stir a hornet's nest. And you know if they're coming from behind, there's is an extra five or six percent that they find in their game. And you know would would they have equalised? Would they have gone on and won that at, at nil nil? Of course they want to still win. And we saw in the last. 15 minutes that it was backs backs to the wall defending by Brentford they we couldn't clear it well it was come, they were coming at us wave after wave but um I, I got a feeling that you know at nil nil they were obviously sort of like thinking about like if, if they if they concede at that stage they're going to lose so you know I, I think the game worked out for us pretty well to be honest um if we'd have gone ahead early in that game I just I, I, I you know they they got all the ingredients to kind of really really hurt us. We probably need to go two up in a in a match like that. But uh, yeah, um, we still had a late chance, didn't we? You know, it, it yes. did break, and then you know Ivan um, had, had had that chance where he took it, kind of almost went around the goalkeeper, and the keeper saved. And you know the follow up didn't quite fall to the right person. So um, you know there were opportunities right to the end. It was a it was a brilliant, really entertaining nil nil draw, Bill. Yeah, and I mean, and just coming back to just talking about players, I mean, going back to the Brighton match, the Besotted Global Man of the Match, and if you want to check out globalbesotted.com forward slash global, a little social media network there as well. And they voted for David Raya as the Brighton Man of the Match, which I suppose if you're looking at those stats, you'd probably say actually, and he had a really good game uh, with Tony second best and Jensen third best as well. And then for the, um, for the Man of the Match game for the Chelsea game, again, it was the best player was uh, Ethan Pinnock. We've got them, the man of the match there with the second best, Raya, and the third best was Frank Onyeka. So let's just talk about Ethan Pinnock, Lane. He goes, I thought Pinnock, I thought Pinnock at Newcastle, I thought he actually had a really good game until he made the mistakes. And I talked about that before, mm. you know, and we just thought, God, we missed this really guy. And then when we played against Chelsea, I mean, I think I turned around to you, I said, Pinnock, oh, mate, he's just like, he literally, he, he's so reliable. You could just see him, ball comes across, head 
ball comes across head ball come, every time right he doesn't miss and so reliable but then he started to make some clearances um he made some a fantastic clearance towards the back end of the game as well which if you have to go back and see the replays unbelievable he had, he had an incredible game and if you look at the the, the, the you know the, the bad luck that he had against Newcastle, we could have put him down. But it just goes to show you what a great player he is and what a great player that we missed for a period of time, isn't it? Yeah, we really did. We really have missed him when he's been out of the team. You know, his presence in the air, he seems to win everything. Uh, that last gasp, last ditch challenge, he he, he did. He got a foot, his foot in. Um, I think it was I think that was Raheem Sterling. Um, he was just about to pull away. He did pull the trigger, um, and you know you fear the worst. And the, this long telescopic leg came out of nowhere, and uh, just you know the ball went out for a corner. And you know it, it probably would have been a goal. That, that would probably would, that, that was a that was a you know a point earning uh, challenge there by Pinnock. And you just got uh, you just got to take your hat off to that to that guy. You know is is to 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 he's come a very you know long-winded way around to get into the top flight you know for for most if you look you know the, the journeys that most premiership players uh have made you know he's he's gone from the bottom to the top and he's reveling in it isn't he he looks he he looks so in the right place he he it's a shame that you know he's he's made the call for Jamaica from an England point of view again um but there's you know we've got to be we got to be sort of like looking over our shoulders because there's people looking at him. He's he's one of the best defenders in in the Premier League. Yeah, and uh, looking at that game, Brentford we created a high number of chances relative to our possession. We stole the ball often from Chelsea, but we were poor at finishing. We lost possession a lot, and we also committed a high number of individual errors. We played down, down the wings. We attacked on the left hand side. We favoured crossing the ball and we favoured long balls. Whereas Chelsea, they stole the ball a lot from us. And also they created goal scoring opportunities from long shot situations. That's what we talked about. So they're low XG chances. Yes, they've got the players that may put the ball in the back of the net, but it did not happen on Wednesday. They were poor at finishing. They had a large quantity of possession in our half, favoured long shots, attacked down the right hand side, dominated possession, and favoured through balls. And then looking at the players again, who scored their you know, their top players, David Raya and Kepper got the two top scores. Rayo was top score 7.9, Kepper was 7.7. So it goes to show you that the two keepers getting the top scores, that they were actually kind of doing their job and keeping the ball out as well and doing a, an excellent job. Then you had Cucurella, Pinnock and Ben Mee, who's been the revelations. We talked about him as well. So yeah, so listen, that Chelsea game, it could have been better, but listen, we can't complain because like, you know, we've got, we've, we've beaten, oh, what's it, win one, lose one and draw one against Chelsea. But if you want to take an aggregate score, we're ahead of Chelsea by masses on aggregate score over the three games. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll take that one, Chelsea. Thank yes. you thank very, you very much. much. Yes. Uh, so listen, <laughs> listen. talking about thank you very much, we're going to thank JB for coming up for some more facts and some funk. JB talks about a bit more facts and a bit more funk. A bit of Brighton facts and funk. Are you ready for this? I told you it was coming. Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. Looking back to Brighton, it was our first match since Newcastle. That game was the 20th occasion in the last 50 years where we had conceded five or more goals in a league game. David Rea's performance on Friday made it the fourth occasion in those 20, where we then went on to keep a clean sheet in the next league game. His feet matched Trevor Swinburne in February 1985, Len Bond in October 1979, 
and Lone E. Graham Horn back in November 1975. Friday also saw Ivan Tony captain the side and lead by example with a couple of goals. The last time a skipper scored a brace was when Kevin O'Connor did likewise, also including a penalty, in a 3-0 win away at Tranmere almost exactly 12 years ago. Last week, Brentford Football Club celebrated its 133rd birthday. Many records have been created during that time as players etch their name on our history. Over 130 have scored penalties in competitive games. But no one in our history can match Ivan Tony's record of 20 successful spot kicks. We are currently watching a Brentford legend in the making and setting records that may be around for a very long time. So there you go, JB, with his facts and his funk, and like I said to you, Ivan Tony, he talked about 20 successful spot kicks. Ridiculous, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's, it's just incredible, and you know, it, it proves there's absolutely no luck. This technique, it's practice, uh, it's uh, bottle. You know, he, to to stand there in front of of you know a goalkeeper um with the world watching you um i couldn't you know literally now uh it, it takes some balls and you know it, he, he's got it he's, he's got that in in abundance so you know he, he doesn't crack under the under the intense pressure um you know goalkeepers doing all sorts to try and put him off and you've, you've seen uh you know players that come in and and try and kind of distract him or talk to him or try and kick the ball away some shit housing does go on and you know you understand you know people trying to disrupt his his routine but he seems to be able to just walk away and then come back refocus i don't know where he goes to in his mind but there's obviously some sort of mindfulness some sort of place that he, he puts puts himself to be able to stand there um and stand there ice cold and know what he's going to do you know whether he looks for the keeper to move whether he knows where he's going to place it already uh he he's got it nailed um so yeah long may it continue because you know it's uh it's without those goals um it's a very different uh position we see in that's for sure 100 percent. so um listen i mean midweek games means that games come thick and fast we've got another game on sunday we've got aston villa and we're going up to Aston Villa. And to be honest with you, Laney, we should have just put some money on it, mate. Because, like, how many times have we gone to a team who, the match before, they've decided to sack their manager? And we've gone up there going, oh, no. I mean, last year it was Newcastle. You know, I think, was it Burnley had done? I can't remember who it was. But there's all sorts of different teams. Every time we go up there, the game before, they sack the manager. And then we go in. And even though we don't believe in the sort of the new manager, what do you call it? Hustle, Russell, whatever you call it. The new manager bounce. Um, because statistically, apparently, the new manager bounce is not a thing, according to uh, the smart odds people who actually <laughs> take lots of money from people because that's what they do professional gambling. They said, actually, it's not. It's the exact opposite. Um, but we always still fear because that is one of those things which um, has been a, a tradition, you know. So as soon as I heard that, I thought, oh, no, because obviously, I think more to the point, if Gerard has been rubbish as a manager, and we'll find out in a minute if he has done, then you just want that to continue when you're when you're playing them, and then they can get rid of him afterwards. So the fact they got rid of him before is a bit of a like kind of it just didn't we didn't really have to have it now. So anyway, we're going to go away, we're going to have a cup of tea again. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about um, well, I was going to say Stephen Gerrard's uh, Aston Villa, but it's not anymore. We're going to talk about Aston Villa and uh, the bees going up to the Midlands.
Aston Villa. One of the away days that we do love, actually. You know, even though as far as we're concerned, and the Villa fans won't be feeling me saying this, but it's a championship away day. And how we rate championship away days, we just look at the teams who were in the championship like we were. And the fact that we used to go up there and used to have some good times up there. And uh, and we put them into that category championship away day. And we like championship away days because we feel that a lot of championship away days are actually better than Premier League away days. You know, going to places like, I don't know, um, you know, places like, I, I, I can't even think of them. You know what I'm saying? Man United, Man City, oh, you know, just rubbish. You know what I'm saying? Man United, average, like, you know, but go to Aston Villa, very good. So uh, we're going to be going Brighton early on Sunday morning on the trains up to Birmingham, to Aston Villa. We've got our usual little, little pub haunt that we go to, that we've been going to for the last, what, eight, seven or eight years. Um, we've got a very good record against Aston Villa at their ground. However, we don't want to uh, jinx things because, you know, every year is different. You know, you can't say, oh, because we, you know, we've beaten Aston Villa for the last seven years, we're going to beat them again this year. We have to take every year as it comes. However, Laney, I will say, the fact that they they're going for a bit of a tricky moment at the moment now, and that's that's that that seems like it could be quite good for us. No, yeah, no, it seems to be every year they go for a tricky tricky moment. And I've got a lot of time for Villa. I've got a lot of Villa friends. Um, you know, I publish a lot of Villa books. Um, I, the Villa Park is probably my favourite away ground. It's, it's it's a beautiful big old stadium. That's you know, it's been a been a football ground there since 1874 um you know uh it's it's there's something there's something special but you you're right to say you know i understand what you fully mean with you know the championship away day it's you know we, we went there regularly um when we were in the championship so it's it holds no mystery to us and it's it holds no fear you know and if you can keep that you know the whole end quiet then uh you know that there's there's a good chance you're going to get something out of it and i you know, we admittedly that Stevie Gerrard's been been sacked, and you don't know what kind of reaction. You don't know who's going to necessarily um, start for them, um, but you, you do fear them because you know, in the right setup with the right attacking mindset, they've got incredible talent there. You know, we know what Ollie Watkins can do to you. Got Coutinho there that if if he can be bothered, um, he'll, he'll you know he'll he'll, he'll you know, rip you. Um, you got Ings there. The, we know he can score. Uh, there's, 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 there's talent throughout that team. You got, um, you got Mings. You know he can score. He, he scored last night, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He scored in his own <laughs> goal. And you know, Tyro Ty Mings is having a bit of a stinker at the moment. But uh, you know, again, he's he's a bit of a man mountain as well. So you know, I'm not gonna. I'm again. You're right to say that's not. We're not going there taking anything granted. But you have to look at form. Um, and you have to, to say that we are playing them at a good time. And where if you look at the next fixtures, you reeled them out a little bit earlier. You know, Villa, Villa Wolves, Forest, Gillingham, and then obviously we finish off with Man City before the World Cup. You know, the, the, all all of those games, Villa, Forest, Wolves, and Gillingham, you, you expect to get something out of. Um, you hope to get something out of. You know, I'm looking at that thinking there's you know there's there's probably six or seven points there. Um, if not nine, if, if we play to our potential, you know, Man City, whatever's going to happen that day is not going to affect our season. So, you know, it's a free hit. Um, but I, I I go to Villa Park looking forward to it. Um, but it doesn't fill me with fear, you know. No, no, no fear filling, as they say. So listen, Villa, 
what I did is I tell you what I did. Normally we go to the fans, they give us their vibes, but I actually went over to Chris because I thought I need to know exactly what's going on at Aston Villa with Stevie Gerrard leaving. So I spoke to Chris from Villains Together and we had a little bit of a chinwag about Aston Villa. Big trip up to Villa Park on Sunday and we wanted to find out all we needed to know about Villa. So we went over to Chris from Villains Together. He's given us the lowdown on Aston Villa. Chris, how are you doing? Very well, thanks about yourself. Yeah, I'm not too bad. I mean, we're going to talk about your managerial rose in a little bit. I didn't want to sort of launch straight into that because, uh, I mean, that's a big talking point as well. I'm sure it's a big talking point up at Villa. But I'm just thinking, just let's go back to, to last season. I mean, because last yeah. season, Brentford had played Villa for the first time in a couple of years. We used to play each other quite a lot over the last few years. And then you went up to the Premier League, you left us and then we came and we joined you. But last yep. season, I'm just wondering, you know, give us a quick summary about last season. Were you happy with it? You know, just talk about your your season and, and, your, and your rivals and, and give it a mark out of 10. I mean, for me personally, I think last season, you, you're probably looking at a, a six. I think a big part of that is, is the kind of the the expectations that the owners, the chief executive, and the managers to an extent kind of sold us. Um, obviously, last season we had you know managerial turmoil with Dean Smith started the season with us, um, then Stephen Gerrard came in, <clears throat> so we had that. That was a you know difficult period because obviously the results weren't good enough under Dean Smith. So Stephen Gerrard came in um, in November. So Gerrard had been in the job a year before he obviously got sacked but so and Gerard came in I think results performances hadn't been good enough Gerard had a bit of a he had the kind of you know you, you get the uh, you know the, the kind of typical managerial bounce um, I think he won four of his first six games um, Gerard did and, and it, was a, it was a big improvement to start with we started to get the ball on the floor uh, defensively we were a lot more solid um, and we were we were a pretty decent side to watch, um, and, and it seemed as it was almost like, and, and it's it's become a, more obvious now. But it seemed the more time Gerard had to make his mark on the team, bring in new players. So obviously we had the January transfer window. The the worst we got, to be honest, um, I think I think since March, um, since March we've only beaten two teams. Um, that are current Premier League teams because uh, from March to the end of last season we beat Norwich and Burnley both got relegated and obviously started this season we've only beaten um, Everton and Southampton so the performances just they've just gone downhill um, so last season I think was a six this season so far you know you'd be lucky to get a Villa fan who'd kind of score it above a two or a three or something really but yeah last season we you know we again even though we lost Grealish we spent a bit of money expecting at least top half. It, it was a poor season. Coming into this one, new regime, expecting to, to get better, and it's just been really, really poor. Um, so again, we're kind of at a, at a bit of a crossroads again. Yeah, I mean, and you talked about last season. I mean, you sacked Dean Smith, obviously, who was our manager. Uh, a bit of a bolt out of the blue for us. We were doing very well at the time. We were, you know, we were basically going for, for promotion in the league at that time. All of a sudden, Dean Smith, remember, we were up at Leeds United and then Dean Smith, they said Dean Smith is leaving to go to Aston Villa and we were absolutely gutted as well, you know, with that one. And you took him under the wing. He got you promoted. I mean, I know Dean really well. You know, I, I actually went to Villa. I went to Wembley. You know, I actually went to the semi-final and the final, actually, when you were in there. Semi-final against West Brom. I was at both matches for that one and also I was at the final at Wembley as well. And I was actually on the turf at Wembley. I had a chat to, to, uh, to Dean and also, 
um, O'Connor um, as well and uh, chatting to them and you know listen I wish him all the luck in the world and it's a bit of a weird one because Brentford fans even though he'd gone to Villa because you're in the league above us they, they wished him a lot of luck because there was a lot of love for Dean and what he'd done for Brentford transforming us from being a sort of kind of like we were all over the place when he took over us and then he did really well and he's one of those managers where we knew that he had faults but you know in the Brentford way you stick with them and you help them and you know to be fair to our owner you know he knew that Dean probably needed a few little tactical um, additions to his team so he brought in Thomas Frank to work underneath him for a couple of years because uh, he had a certain amount of tactical nous and it helped that so but you know Dean was humble enough to take that on board and saying listen I'm quite happy with you bringing an experienced manager to work underneath me and then he went to you I'm just wondering though I mean were you one of the Villa fans that wanted him out at the time did you think his time was done or were you a little bit gutted that he's gone it was a difficult one I think I think I'll probably go as far as saying, you know, you, you're probably 75% of the the fan base at that time when Dean Smith went were, you know, gutted that he'd gone. And I think that was that was probably, we had a bit of sentiment because of what he'd done in getting us promoted, um, sentiment towards him being a Villa fan. Um, and I think as well, the way he was with the fans, he was quite good with the fans. He was quite open and honest in, you know, post-match interviews and he, he was quite personable as well. Um, you know, before and after games, if you, you kind of saw him outside the ground and things like that, quite a, quite a personable bloke. So I think people related to him that way. But it's a difficult one with football because, you know, ultimately it's a results business. So when you kind of come down to it and you're looking, you're like, well, performances for the, for the majority of 2021, so going from the 2020 to 2021 season and then into last season, um, the performances just weren't there. We, the results certainly weren't there. So... It was it was not upsetting, but you kind of had the sentiment towards him going. But at the same time, it was understandable why he'd gone. Um, so I, I wasn't exactly calling for his head, but when he did go, it was it was disappointing in a way. But at the same time, it was big situation we're in now. If you, you you're making that decision to sack a manager, you've got to make sure you get the right one in, and clearly we didn't back then. So it's kind of you know back to the drawing board again. It's almost like a season wasted, really. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know as well, he's been actually spending quite a lot of time in uh, North Carolina. His son's at university in North Carolina. He's been going over there to see yeah. him play. And my sister-in-law yeah. actually, uh, she 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 met him a few few months ago. Actually, she's actually coming over from North Carolina. She lives in North Carolina at the moment now. She's popping over for a few weeks now. But you know, she's been spending a bit of time with old Dean Smith as well. So giving her the lowdown. So like I said to you, there's a little bit of a Brentford link still in there with old Dino. But just coming back to Stephen Gerrard though, I mean, obviously, yeah. like I said to you, you know. <laughs> He managed Rangers and then you plucked him out of the blue for managing Rangers to come and manage yourself. I mean, it's easy to say this in retrospect. Do you do you really think that was the right move? Because we all went, well, not quite sure about that. You know, there's this, this that whole big name. We have to get a big name in as a manager because that manager is going to do really well because he's a big name. Yeah, like you say, looking at it, you know, in hindsight, you say, well, it was, it was clearly not going to work, but... Difficult one because you kind of you've got to look at there's so many different kind of things to look at. He did well at Rangers. He had them playing good football, and it wasn't so. You could look at it from okay, he's in Rangers. It's it's basically a, a two-team league. No disrespect, but you've got two, two, two sides that are the ones competing for the league, and he won the league with them in his in his last full season. Um, people were kind of looking at it and say, well, it's just in that league, but he did well in Europe with them. Had them playing good stuff. Um, so we're looking at that. You're kind of thinking, well, can he can he bring that to the Premier League? I think, you know, if you look at it and you really break it down, he was there for three full seasons. 
So you've got domestically, there is, there's there's an opportunity to win in nine trophies, um, and he won one. So his record there wasn't great. Was he successful with Rangers because Celtic were on a bit of a decline at that time? Again, it's one of them, you know, an argument you can throw into it. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's one of them. I think sometimes you, you look at it and you think, well, yeah, big name as a player, certainly. One of the best to have played in the Premier League. Obviously not a big name as a manager. So I think it was a massive gamble. But I think a lot of Villa fans were excited because he was unbeaten um, in, his, in his last full season at Rangers doing well in Europe, like I said, won the league. So I think a lot of people thought that that was going to, you know, at least going to be able to transform good performances. And, you know, it's like being a, being a Brentford fan. Villa and Brentford in similar situation in terms of we know we're not going to win the majority of the games and we're going to be hopefully, you know, around the, the you know, bottom half, top 10, uh, top half of uh, the bottom 10, that middle period where... You know, fundamentally, you want to be playing good football. And we've been so far away from that. I think a lot of people expected that Gerard's good football at Rangers, he'd be able to, to kind of transpose and bring that to, to Villa. And, and it just hasn't happened. So who's next for Villa? I mean, who would you like to see in there? Who do you think is going to be coming in? What's the what's the, what's the rumour mill saying? <laughs> um, I mean, the rumour mill has been, uh, you know, on kind of overdrive for a couple of weeks, to be honest. Uh, for a while, you had Pochettino was top of the list. Um, Tuchel as well I think those two names were quite ambitious uh, I know Pochettino kind of he had his moments at Spurs you know, struggled at PSG which is uh, you know probably a, a big you know blot on his kind of CV but I, I was I was interested in in, in Poch mainly kind of looking at the Southampton time um, I think that kind of was more a bit relevant to Villa um, Tuchel, obviously a good manager, you know, he's done whatever he's been. So those two would have been good, but I think they've both turned down the job. Um, other names in the mix, there's um, Thomas Frank has been mentioned, um, Unai Emery, um, those two. Um, trying to think who else has been in there. Betting's mentioned Michael Beale, <clears throat> who um, mm-hmm. obviously left Villa for QPI, who's our former assistant. Can you can you okay, so could we just stop there, please? Can you just can you make sure just can you go and drive down and go? Just picking up from QBR and bring him back because we'll be very happy if that happened because they're doing, yeah, well, he's doing doing very well with them at the moment. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him. We'll, you, you can keep Thomas Frank. Um, but yeah, he, he whether that happens, I'm not sure because obviously he recently turned down the the Wolves job. Um, but maybe uh, maybe for the Villa job. Oh, maybe. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know what talks have gone on there. So that'll be an interesting one to see. Um, Ruben Amarin, the Sporting Lisbon manager, um, that's been mentioned as well. You just don't know. You know, it's like with social media, Twitter in particular. There's a lot of stuff that gets go that passed around, and it can kind of snowball, and and people kind of think that things are going on. Really, I don't know. Obviously, Thomas Frank would be a, a good option. You know, he's done. You know, you'll know full well. Obviously, he's done well with Brentford. Um, Unai Emery. It's again. You, you're looking at not just. They're going, to go, they're going to tick so many boxes. I think you'll look and think, okay, we want the results. But at the same time, you know, you need to. Fans want performances. They don't necessarily want want boring football. So a manager that's got a good style. I suppose you've got to instantly look at a manager who's going to come in and be able to, whatever style they're interested in, be able to look at the players that we've got now and be able to kind of use that as opposed to, okay, I've got a style, but wait until January and then I can implement it. Um, so those are the names that are there at the moment. I mean, Pochettino was top of my list. He's kind of he's turned it down. So at the moment, I, I really don't know. Um, Sean Deutsch, maybe. Um, you know, he's 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 free a free agent, so to speak. Did reason me well at Burnley. 
um, got sacked and they got relegated. Um, I know he's not your, you know, he's not attractive in terms of his style of play, but you don't know with certain managers if they've not had, you know, he did a good job with the tools he was given. If, he, if, he, if he's given maybe a bit more money or maybe more, you know, better attacking or flair players, how that's going to, you know, kind of show on the pitch, you don't know. So those are the names, I think. Do you know what? I think any of them, to be honest, would be an improvement on Steven Gerrard. I noticed you didn't mention Steve Bruce by by any chance, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, it's um, he's he's done his rounds in the Midlands, really. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back to Villa, because um, obviously, you know, he's just been he was just down the road at uh, as West Brom manager got sacked. So um, so yeah, and luckily he hasn't come into the betting, and and I'm sure we're not going to go for him. But depends how desperate we get, to be honest. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, you're talking about that, and you, you know, you sound not saying for long, but you sound a little bit like, oh, okay, what's going to happen there? I'm going to ask you just, just quickly. Do, do, do you think you're in relegation trouble? And just quickly, can you think of the three teams that you think may get relegated? And also just throwing the, you know, the, the four teams that you're going to be top four as well, just quickly. Off your head. Um, I think we are in relegation trouble at the moment. I suppose it's still early, early for the season. I mean, we're over a quarter of the way in, so it's getting to a difficult situation at least we've made a decision that should make a difference I think bottom three you know you'd have to say Forest down there I think Southampton possibly I know Leicester are in there um, I think they they should be getting out of it the players that they've got um, you, you could then include us or Wolves as, as the bottom three so I think Forest and Southampton and then one from I still include Leicester. Leicester Wolves and Villa just because we're down there. Um, I mean, normally start of the season, I'd have said Fulham, but they've, they've done quite well. Yeah, um, yeah we, should, we move on for that conversation as well. And top four, just quickly, top four, is it going to be the same four? Or is there a, a bit of a wild card in there? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Man City, um, you'd say Man City, Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, yeah, I think. Okay. So yeah, difficult. Yeah, yeah the, the, the standard ones. I can't see. I mean, Newcastle are probably the ones that are closest to breaking in. But I think they. It's a case of breaking to the top six before they they break the top four. I think you, you're yeah. still even even aside from those those four. You, you've got Man United and um, Man United and Liverpool to throw into the mix. Uh, Arsenal yeah. as well. So. So so, com- so coming back to Villa and looking on the positive side. I mean, look, you're playing Brentford. I mean, like last season, you know, we took four points from you. We took three points at New Griffin Park, and we took a point up at Villa as well. I mean, I'm just wondering, you know, from your perspective, Brentford, you know, what do Villa need to look out for from Brentford and what were your thoughts on the bees? I mean, Brentford have been a, a bit of a bogey team for us, to be honest. Uh, even in the, the Championship, um, you know, I, rem- I remember uh, Griffin Park losing 3-0 um, in the Championship. There was a, the 2-2 at Villa Park as well. And we, we really struggled against Brentford. Good passing team, high intensity, struggled with... Obviously, when you're looking at kind of Premier League now, I mean, Ivan Tony's the main man um, that, that people will kind of pick out. I, I think from a Villa point of view, coming up against, you know, even the, the, the likes of, say, Ben Mee at the back, at the moment, we've struggled so bad going forward that it should be comfortable for Brentford, I think, to be honest. And, I, you know, they play a good a good style of football, um, keep the ball, good possession. And then they've got they've got a man at the top who, who's going to get the ball in. I mean Brian Embuemo as well, good player, and he'll, he'll look to stretch us. 
Um, so I think those two, Tony and and, and, and Bremo, uh, two players that will probably get out of us. And then I think defensively, you'd be pretty solid. I mean, last night, Fulham passed the ball around us far too easy. So I think probably much of the same um, I'd expect uh, on Sunday, to be honest. Right. And, and and for Villa, I mean, who should we be looking out for Villa? I mean, obviously, and we're going to say this because we're not, we, we don't take anything for granted. We don't rest on our laurels. You've got some good players, you know, we, you know you've got some very good players there. Who is exciting you? I, mean, I know at the moment now things are a little bit grey, but you have got good players. And who is exciting you and who should we be looking out for? And also, who should be doing better? I mean, in terms of, you know, the the last the last point you mentioned in terms of who should be doing better there's a lot of players you could you could kind of put that to I think the main one really is probably John McGinn um, you know club captain he was made club captain um, in the summer by Steven Gerrard his, his, his performances have been really 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 poor um, so he's one that need, needs to up his game I think you know lead for an example as well um, and just it's that's been the weakest area um, so so he really needs to up his game Um I mean, again, performances have been poor. I think Jacob Ramsey, um, young midfielder, he's been maybe one of the better players out of a bad bunch recently. Um, he likes to drive from midfield. So Jacob Ramsey's a player. And Ollie Watkins, you'll know Ollie Watkins well. Um, he struggled this season. He's only got one goal so far. He got 14 and then 11. He's last two seasons. So he, he can score goals. He can score goals in the Premier League. Um I'm a big fan of Ollie Watkins. Um, and I think if he's the one who, who's going to kind of, from an attacking perspective, he's, he's the one who's going to cause problems, really. You know, he's like good, uh, you know, good pressing game, bit of pace. Um, he can be a goal threat. So I'd say Watkins and, and Ramsey are probably the two that, that could kind of cause problems because a lot of our attacking players, you're looking at Wendy, Bailey, Coutinho, they're not really performing well at the moment. So Watkins, even though he's lacking a bit of a goal edge, is probably the main one. Right, so look, Brentford coming up to Villa Park. Again, you know, like I said, we played you a lot over the last few years. How's the game going to pan out? I think it's going to be nervy. It's, it's at Villa Park. Um, I think the Villa fans will probably be a bit of excitement, maybe relief that, that uh, you know, is as hard as that is to kind of say about a person. But with Steven Gerrard going, there'll be that, that bit of excitement, maybe a bit of hope. But at the same time... It, you're going back to coaches that have worked under Gerard and worked close with Gerard, so I don't think there's going to be too much of a difference um, with our team. Um, I think it'll still be close, though. Um, I can see it potentially being a nil-nil or or a, or a one-nil. It could go either way if if the if the crowd get behind Villa um, and potentially, you know, maybe the, maybe it's it's been a boost to the players uh, with Stephen Gerrard going. But yeah, I think it'll be a tight game. Um, so nil-nil or, or one-nil either side, to be honest. Okay, Chris, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually gonna tie you down to an actual score prediction. Give us a score prediction. I'm gonna go one nil Brentford just because we've been so poor lately. I think Brentford are a good side, um, played well against Chelsea um last week. So I think yeah, I think taking you know, the, the way that the two teams are at the moment, taking into consideration um, you know, new manager so to speak, um and, and obviously the fact that Brentford just seemed to be our bogey team. Right, okay, so listen, Chris, it's been great chatting to you. Listen, I'll hopefully I might catch up with you on Sunday, actually. We're going to be up there bright and breezy in the boozer. Um, before boozer opening times, I think we're getting a little bit of a secret lock-in, actually, before 12 o'clock. So we'll be up there bright yeah. and breezy. Loads of Bees fans having a laugh. And if I might catch up with you while you're a quick pint as it goes. Yes. Yep, sounds like a good plan.
nice one cheers so there you go Chris villains together probably feeling a little bit despondent probably not the word but you know you, you've got to be feeling like here we go again you know, you know I remember back in the day you know they had the manager churn they were just churning these managers Steve Bruce was the one that really confused us because we knew we, we knew immediately how that one was going to go and uh, I think they sort of kind of like they were going what do you know Brentford and we just like look mate we, we know all about Steve Bruce and in, in, in the championship you know it's not a, it's not a good look and uh and he came in and then they got rid of him but then they picked our manager which was which we weren't very happy about um and he did very well for them and then they got rid of him because they wanted to get somebody in famous which that 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 was a bit of a confusing move wasn't it Laney? yeah it was um but there's a lot of that goes on at villa you know they they they've they've made a lot of mistakes um they 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 i guess rightfully think they are a colossal club because they you know they are you know they you look at how many times they've won the the top flight they've won the european cup um they've won the fa cup you know this not more is more times than Leeds, though is it no and of course not no one no one you know no no one more times no than them no. um you, you you can't you can't knock their the stature. I mean, they should be in the top four, and they probably are the top four biggest clubs in 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 England. Um, they're they're the biggest club in Birmingham. You know, I know there's beef between them and Birmingham City, but it's it's you know it's the stats show you know who's won who's won the most, who is who's the biggest club. Uh, the, and they've had they've had household names and household managers all the way through their through their history, but they've always tempted to 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 get a big name manager to come in who doesn't always do it. And you know, I, I've had a long chat with with my you know my Villa authors over the last couple of weeks who both wanted you know Stevie G to go, um, and they both well you know Colin especially really regret that Dean Smith isn't still there they didn't, they didn't feel they he was given enough time and they felt that he, his playing style um it suited him he was a Villa fan he was encouraging the youth to come through Stevie G was was always going to be you know chasing big name players to 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 kind of justify his kind of uh his ambition to be one of the biggest, you know, managers in uh, in the country, but he's 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 not he's not doing it, is he, Stevie G? He was like airdropped in there, um, and he's not he, he didn't have a, a clear uh, style of play, um, and you know, Ollie Watkins looks a shadow of the player that he did when he was with us or in those early early um, days at Villa. We've got him into the England team. He, he just doesn't. He, he just doesn't seem to be enjoying himself there. Uh, and I think there's a lot of players, so I hear, that don't look like they're enjoying themselves. And the big names like the Coutinho's that have arrived, you, 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 yeah, they're on the they're on the last part of their career. They're not. On the, they're on the down. They're not on the up. And you know that's what you get with big names sometimes. So mm. it's you know yeah it's you know I it suits us. But you know, I, I I feel you know for Villa fans that you know they do deserve a bit better, to be honest. Yeah. So look, I mean, Villa, what are they all about, Laney? They're good at counter attacks. They're good at aerial duels. They're good at protecting the lead, so we mustn't go behind. And they're good at stealing the ball from the opposition, which is something that we need to improve on over the Chelsea game because we were fluffing it a little bit in that area. Where they're weak is finishing, scoring chances, defending against long shots, defending counter attacks defending set pieces, avoiding individual errors, and they're very weak at avoiding offside. They like to attack down the left, attempt crosses often, play with width, 
take long shots, control the game in our half. They're and uh, they're aggressive. Rotate their first eleven, and their opponents also play aggressively against them. So I mean, you know, that's Villa in a nutshell. Um, also, they've, they've got no manager now, so they, they may be very different to that on Saturday. I've got no idea. Yeah, yeah, they, we don't know what we're going to get, do we? You know, I, I, I think what normally happens is you pick a, a similar team and you just hope that they, you know, play better. Mm. Uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily think we're going to get like a, you know, a real random, random team. You know, and, and, and as as we all know, you know, you, you pick that team, you look at their team. There's nothing wrong with them as individuals. It's just like the way they've been set up and the way they, you know, their confidence. Um, and they they've been giving away really light goals at the back as well. Um, and getting sent off a lot as well. So um, yeah, I, we we just have to concentrate, and we will concentrate on our own game. Uh, we 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 play well against Villa. You know, this it's they're a team. It's not it's, there is no coincidence. You know, we we do well against them, and we 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 prove that we're you know probably better than them. Um, really, you know, see uh, if you compare season in season out over the last five or six years, you know, our record against them speaks for itself. So uh, I expecting, I'm hoping for the same again on Sunday, mate. Yeah, just talking about Gerard, and I'm, I'm not trying to labour the point here, but um, obviously Gerard was uh, um, his assistant manager was Michael Beale, who um, Ian Beale, Michael Beale, who ended up going to QPR, and a lot of people are thinking that's a bit of a surprise move. That's quite an interesting one, but it was an interesting and probably a clever move from QPR, who've had their their form transform, uh, transformed. If you talk to my QPR mates and they turn around to say to you, oh my God, you know, this guy's taken the same players that Warburton had and he's, 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 he's done something with them. And they're, I think they're top of the league or they're, at least they're at top, top three anyway. They're doing very well, QPR. There was a fear that Beal was going to go to Wolves, but he's actually turned down the Wolves job and he's going to stay with QPR. Now, there's an argument to say that, um, you know, QPR got the, got the brains of the Villa, Villa management uh, set up and they, you know, Steven Gerrard is the sort of tub thumping kind of come on everybody let's just get in there and get stuck in whereas maybe the tactical genius is actually at QPR and um and 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 now that now the tub thumper is gone so they haven't got the tactics or the thumper have they probably not yeah I don't know enough about Bill to be honest with you and I don't actually care what goes on at QPR (laughs) but um yeah I know they're having a great season they went top the other night and um yeah we'll 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 see you know I, I, I don't know anything about Bill to be honest with you Bill yeah okay Bill Ian Bill as they say but anyway look we're going Saturday or Sunday we're not going to, actually I was going to go up on Saturday actually I had a whole load of hotels but long story short um you know Mrs. Way kids away everyone was like oh, I was gonna have a massive long weekend for about five days and then they've decided not to go away so I've had to cancel everything <laughs> so I'm going up on Sunday on the train but um looking forward to it Aston Villa versus Brentford school prediction Laney uh I'm going for a 2-1 Brentford win 2-1 and I'm going to go for a 2-0 Brentford win again a little bit of enthusiasm and a little bit of positivity in the besotted camp today uh, this is the besotted pride of West London podcast don't forget to subscribe on all good podcast channels and also subscribe and also write us a lovely review on iTunes I've got to go on iTunes and uh, check them out and we'll read them out as well don't forget to uh, buy us a beer besotted.com forward slash beer thank you to everyone that's bought us a beer and also don't forget our social media community besotted global besotted.com forward slash global um that is good as well you tell me your thing tell first. You, we've oh. actually launched a little train if you want to buy if you want trains to go to manchester city 
Okay, we've got a little train thing going on. I'm just going to keep it secret, but I'll tell you something. I might just put the link up in the um, it might put it up in the information um, section here as well because we've actually just basically if you want to get train tickets, cheap train tickets, besotted cheap train tickets, you can do. So go and check that out if you want. If you're going up to Manchester City, I know after that we've got an international break. Uh, so we were going to launch it after the international break, but we've got a little soft launch for people that are watching this. Like you know, we're gonna, not going to tweet you out or anything like that. But for people who are listening, if you want to go and check it out and you have a little look and you can get a cheap train ticket and you can see it on there, you're happy with that. So I just do that, uh, Lenny. What are you going to say? I was going to say there's an extra reason to buy us a beer this week because, was well, last the the post Chelsea uh, podcast was our 900th podcast, Bill. So um, I think we ought to pat ourselves on the back a little bit and um, say, go on, buy us a beer. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think people should definitely buy us a beer after that. 900 podcasts is a bit. No, of a, it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite a lot actually. Yeah making our way to um, the thousandth as well. Um, just coming back, that rail thing is uh, rail.besotted.com if you want to check us out. So that's rail.besotted.com. And you can check it out. You can buy train tickets and it's all good. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that more uh, probably after the World Cup or during the World Cup even. So, uh, so you can buy your tickets for the games when they get scheduled in December and January. Um, other than that, I'll tell you something, there's not much else to say. I'll see everybody up in Birmingham on Sunday, bright and breezy. I'll see you on the train. Uh, there's two trains, obviously, the one that goes straight up from New Street, and there's also the chugger that goes through the countryside, that goes all over through the houses, which is the train that I love. So I'll be on the chugger train at some stage, and I'll uh, see you up there, Laney, no doubt. Yeah, I'm driving. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'll see you, see you up there, bright and breezy, mate. Looking forward S- to it. Bright and breezy. I'm on Billy Grant, and I've enjoyed myself chatting to you, and you've got Laney in the house. Good evening. Good evening and good afternoon. Good morning. We got to say, what do we say? Yeah, my newbies. Newbies. Yeah, newbies. Newbies. Let's do them villains there. Yes. Nick three points against the villains. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.